0: Okay, so you are listening to the Play to the Whistle podcast. End of the season, finally, but not really because we've got international tournament. But um, we're excited today. You're here with um, Kieran, Dot, and we've got a guest as well. We're here with um, Alex, who is uh, an Inter Milan fan and going to be talking to us today about... Um, well, in essentially, in an in depth view of that for those of you that um, maybe don't watch Syria as closely. But how's everybody doing?
1: Well, I'm doing so well. And I thank both of you gentlemen for having me on. It's so great to chat. And, you know, it's w- what a season it's been. Uh, it seemed like it was over in, in a flash. But like you said, we have the Euros coming up. So it's really only getting started.
2: Yeah, and I'm good as well. Um, sorry, I was just I was just looking at the um, Italian Euro, Euro squad as well. Moise Keane hasn't made made the squad, which is a bit yeah, strange. I don't all. know
1: about that one. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I I know that like he he picked up a, a knock in the friendly uh, the other day, but I'm still I'm still a little bit surprised. Unless it unless the injury is worse than we thought, I, I'm yeah. a little bit puzzled by him not getting the call because uh, they I think they really need him at attacker. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd have to agree.
0: I, I, I agree with that one. I, I think I read something. Um, he played against San Marino and it was not too impressed with his performance. And maybe, but for PSG, um, he's been a bit of a wildcard, has not he? Like coming off the bench, giving a bit of a different dimension. I thought it would have added something Italy there. But, you know, it's 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 a tough call, isn't it? You know, there's going to be a lot of disappointed faces at home. So um, it remains to be seen if that's going to be a, a big miss for, for the Italians.
1: Well, yeah, and and certainly evidence uh, would say there's the opportunity it could be a miss because if there's one position over the last few years where the Italian national team hasn't gotten much consistency, it's at the number nine spot. I mean, you have a guy like Ciro Immobile who cannot stop scoring in the Serie A. As soon as he puts on the national team shirt, he really (laughs) seems to struggle. Bellotti has had uh, similar issues. They haven't found enough consistency there. So I, I guess, you know, like I think wild wildcard uh, is a good word that you used. I, I was kind of hoping that to have a guy like Moise Kane on the squad could provide that and, and may, if nothing else, could be a nice substitute option to come on, you know, 70th minute in a game you're struggling to score and maybe provide a little spark.
2: Yeah. It's a strange one, um, but it's not, it's not out of the ordinary. I think Spain have done something very similar, leaving a lot of their, oh, leaving all the Real Madrid players out of their squad. And as England do things fashionably incorrect anyway, we've we've had to extend the provisional list of squads and just going to basically mess everything up as as English people normally do anyway. So that's just how things are. So, um, but let's, yeah, let's move over to, why well, we've got you on today. Um, Inter Milan. First, there we are since two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. I think.
1: Yeah, that that is correct. It's been uh, it's been a long wait, you know, eleven seasons to capture a scudetto, and then uh, in, in typical in typical inter fashion, nothing is ever easy, right? If you, to to win a scudetto <laughs> for the first time in eleven years, you know, I, I think some maybe were hoping, oh, could this maybe be the start of a dynasty of some sort? Now, you know, not so sure. There's a yeah, little bit yeah. of turmoil with the club.
2: Yeah. Cause it's, um, you know, you look at Inter Milan and obviously, I mean, I'm going back to Inter Milan of the nineties where, you know, there were so many brilliant players that came through, through the team. Um, you know, there were the team that, as I grew up and watched, it was always Inter Milan. You know, you look at Christian Vieri and even when they had Ronaldo, it was just a, it's a brilliant squad. And there's always been that sort of rollercoaster with Inter Milan at, at times as well, beyond that kind of error. Um, but, you know, it was good to sort of, and, and I'll be honest, I haven't really watched every, you know, I haven't watched many Serie A games this season um, as much as I'd like to have. But, um, yeah, just, I mean, how, how, what was it like, obviously, as a Inter Milan fan to, to see that, to, to see your team do that?
1: Yeah, it was, it, it was really something. Um, it, it, early on in the season, things were a little bit tense uh, as teams all around Europe and all around the world uh, encountered. You know, very early on in the season, you know, you had some players who had to miss time for COVID. You had some players who had to miss time with injuries. I think that um, I, th- I think Inter were, you know, a little bit maybe fortunate, if that's even the right word, because I think part of it also comes on on in the training grounds hard work to avoid some injuries. But most of the issues that they had with injuries and COVID happened very early in the season. And then they were able to get through pretty much from um, October on virtually unscathed as far as important players. So you know they 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 had a couple of tough results early. I mean they they lost the first Milan derby of the season to Milan, and that that was uh, you know it was certainly something that uh, put the squad back a little bit. Especially since Milan early in the year were flying. You know they had a, a long unbeaten streak. They had at certain points a, a five point lead for the Scudetto, and then it was really um, I thought that the turning point for the season happened in uh, in January, you know, a late uh, fixture in in the first half of the season, a 2-0 victory over Juventus, which kind of had people believing that, okay, that they, they seem to have the sort of intensity, they seem to be rallying around Antonio Conte, and, and I think this is a squad that can actually provide some consistency and close out a Scudetto, and uh, certainly a lot is owed uh, to Antonio Conte, because you know, early on in the season for about the first month or so of fixtures, they really struggled with consistency at the back. I think a lot of it had to do with, uh, you know, some, some of the COVID issues that I spoke about had to do with uh, defensive players, center backs like Bastoni and Scriniar, who had to miss some time early. So a lot of time in the back three was given to Alexander Kolorov, who is really a shell of his former self at this point. The guy can barely move. So they shipped in way too many goals early. And then uh, and then really throughout the season, once the back three of DeVry, Skriniar and Bastoni were solidified and they were playing together and they were staying healthy, it really became a tough squad to score against. And really, everything started from the defensive consistency. Um, The midfield really, really turned around, I thought, in January when Christian Eriksen figured something out. I mean, he and I think he and Conte figured something out together. Um, You know, he's. Now, been uh, an interplayer for a year and a half. And when he was acquired in the 2020 January transfer window, it took a long time for Conte to figure out how to use him, right? Because, you know, he wanted, uh, fancied more of an attacking midfielder, trequartista type of role, they would say in Italy, but that doesn't really have a place in Conte's formation. So they had to figure out Conte and his staff how to use Ericsson as more of a deep lying playmaker. And eventually, he figured it out because from Jan- January on, He became one of Inter's most important players. Um, Ashraf Hakimi at the right wing back, who unfortunately looks like he's probably on the way to PSG, which is uh, obviously that's tough, but I'm sure we'll talk about the financial realities of the club. Uh, But he was really massive in the second half of the season. He gained consistency. The speed was just blazing. And then the, the strike partnership of Lautaro Martinez and Romelu Lukaku really worked. They really clicked. And you, you saw Alexis Sanchez here and there getting some playing time as a sub and a super sub. So everything really just clicked. I mean, from January through May, Inter really became a machine. And it uh, they were churning out consistent results to the point where they were able to secure the Scudetto with four games to spare. So it was oddly stress-free through the final <laughs> month of the season.
2: Yeah, no, and it was um, it's what Antonio Conte does well. Um, I'm just thinking about. I think you lost three games in the season. Yeah. Um, conceded 35 goals, which you know that is an Antonio Conte season. In a nutshell, that that sums up what Antonio Conte is about. And I think it was 89 goals that was scored as well. Um, I wanted to talk quickly about um, Romelu Lukaku as you have you just brought him up as well, but um, and no better time to talk about the financial um, side of the club at the moment, which I, I believe is one of the deciding factors why Conte has decided to leave Inter Milan is because of the that 80 million pounds, uh, 80 million euros, sorry, that is being thrown around that needs to be recovered. Um, I'm sure Antonio Conte would have loved to have kept all the plays he's got and built on the squad for next season. Um, if you look at the squad that's there now, who, who would you probably say would need to come off the books, who would need to leave the club in order to, you know, to, to get that ambition, the objective, whatever you want to call it from the owners.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll start real quick saying that I I agree with what you said about, uh, about Conte leaving. I think that the primary reason why he decided to step away was, uh, and we we know how competitive Conte is. We know that he's not the type to really stick around at any place for way too long. And I, I think he looked at the financial realities and thinking, you know, not only next season will I have the pressure to repeat in Italy, but I'm also going to have the pressure of really improving in Europe. And um, he he sees, you know, a, a need to, to do some cost cutting. Uh, and he probably thought there's really no way that I can expect to exceed what I did this season, next season. So it may be best for me to go. And it, it looks like he may land on his feet somewhere, most likely Real Madrid so that it may be a career decision that really works out for Conte. And yeah, as far as addressing the financial needs, as, as I understand it, it's, um, it really depends on on which report you see, but they they want to raise uh, somewhere between seventy to ninety million euros in profits. And uh, my personal my my personal thought was before we started to get any of the rumors churning, I, I thought I, someone who would make sense uh, to part ways with would be Latara Martinez. It's not that I would like to see him go, but it would really be pure profit because he's. Been on the books for three seasons. They paid next to nothing to bring him over from Argentina three years ago. So, you know, if, if he can command 80, 90 million euros from Spain, from Real Madrid or Atletico Madrid, it, it, that that seems like one move that could instantly balance your books. And, and I, you know, I don't know if replacing a striker would be as hard as replacing an important midfielder or an important fullback, uh, but it looks as though. The primary uh, sacrifice, the player that is likely to go because it seems eighty percent done at this point, is Ashraf Hakimi. Um, It's uh, there's uh, you know you've heard conflicting reports about a a bidding war between a few clubs, but it seems like PSG is the most likely destination, and I think they're just negotiating the price from the club. I think PSG have already agreed the terms with Hakimi, but they're kind of negotiating the final price. Maybe it could end be anywhere between sixty to seventy five million euros, and to what I understand it from the financial need standpoint, Inter are thinking that's the only, big see, the only big sale that they need to make, okay? Need being the key word here, that they, they think if they offload Hakimi for a nice profit, uh, they have a few less important squad players that are, are looking to move on and make a little bit of a profit from, they think they can sort their books out from that. I wouldn't completely exclude another important player leaving only because if if there's anyone out there and I think about people like Lautaro Martinez, I think even about Lukaku, who I wonder uh, about, who may say, you know, may, maybe this is no longer the best football situation for me. And I may want to go somewhere that they they may sell somebody else uh, just out of his inter are not really the type of club that like to, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, hold the player hostage. I think that they do respect the will of the player, but the offer has to be there. They're not going to let a player go for chunk change. They need to actually get a realistic offer. But um, I wouldn't be completely surprised if someone else goes, if they decide, hey, you know, I'm I'm here. I was here to work with Conte and I like the project. I don't know if I like the project so much anymore. Uh, I, I do understand that with uh, with the new coach who's come in uh, who I like uh, Simone Inzaghi, who did nice things at Lazio that uh, his really his first order of business is to uh, to talk with Lukaku and kind of explain to him the importance that Lukaku holds in his project that he wants to build really the club around Lukaku and I do think Lukaku enjoys being in Italy I think he enjoys wearing the intercolors. So I, I while I, I can't say I know what he's thinking, I, I do think that uh, I, I haven't heard any evidence of him being unhappy, but maybe some of that will come. So I think anything is possible at this point, but they believe that Hakimi is the big sale that they need.
2: Yeah. And I think I th- I think you're right, 100%. I think there's definitely more than one player that may go, um, whether that be Martinez or, or Lukaku. Um, but Kieran, I just wanted to ask you, um, around Lukaku as well there's been links with him obviously coming back to the premiership at some point um you know we know how well he did at Everton when he was there he had a half decent season at West Brom as well um and Chelsea let's not, let's not talk about Chelsea but he has been linked with Chelsea um as well so I just now that I've got my Chelsea top on for anyone who's listening um uh, and if you didn't know, we won the champion, Champions League yesterday.
1: So Congratulations, by the I way. I wanted to
2: get that on record because I know how much
0: it means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk there's,
2: about it on another there's episode. No, there's
0: no question, is there? You just, you just wanted to tell us that Chelsea <laughs> won the Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> my,
2: my question is, um, could you see Lukaku coming back to the Premiership?
0: I think I, think I agree with Alex. I think um, I don't see a need him to to go back at this point I can see clubs he could fit him well at um namely Chelsea I think that system that I mean that's what Chelsea are lacking really in terms of more sort of dominance we, we've seen it he's a great finisher a lot of people talk about his time at, at United but actually his goal record was quite good when he played up front um but he seems like he's loved he's a player that likes to be loved and I feel like he gets that at, at Inter you know when I watch the um uh the, the, the Milan Derby and I see him go up against Ibrahimovic and he had a little spat. But you could see he he's he's passionate about about being there. And I think it helps that he's got, you know, Damian's there that he knows, Ericsson from the Prem. Um so I I don't I personally don't see him leaving there looking at that situation and, and like Alex was saying, if um Hakimi goes, as long as long as you keep I agree, if as long as you keep that back, you know, strong defence together, the spine which will be Lukaku, obviously, you know, um, at back screen yard, de, de Um, I can't remember who plays in, in in the center of midfield, but I think, is it, is it Brozovic? Yeah, bro, yeah,
1: yeah, Brozovic and uh, are, are two, uh, two very important yeah. midfield pieces, yeah.
0: I feel if you keep that, because uh, I, I wanted to, I'm going to, I'm going to, answer the question with another question I'm wondering who's coming through um, sort of like academy wise as well because I think that's always a big thing you can always ship a few out if you've got a few youngsters coming and is there anyone next season you're thinking actually this is an opportunity if, if a big player goes for, for a player that's been on the fringes to step up and anyone like that at all
1: yeah, yeah. There's one that really stands out to me, and and I know that there's interest in in bringing back uh, a player by the name of Federico Dimarco. He's he's a left wing back um, who's who's owned by Inter. He's been the last couple of seasons. He's been on various uh, loan spells. He was with Hellas Verona this past year, and uh, and really seems to be a well-rounded. A similar role at Verona because they have a similar system with three at the back, so it's it it would seem to fit like a glove to bring him back. He's got a he's got a really good shot. He scored some goals from outside the box, and he seems to be improving defensively. So I I, I think that's certainly a player. There there are um, there there are a few complications because with him being on loan at Verona last year, uh, the coach Ivan Juric, who was at the helm of Verona, is now the coach at Torino, and he seems to really be pushing Torino to buy. DiMarco Marco, uh, which would be a sale from Inter, so he's either coming back or he could end up being a way for the club to make some money. So I think either way it could work out, but that, that that's a young player that I would love to see back.
2: Yeah, that's that's a good shout. Um, that's a good shout. I'm, I'm just looking at some of, um, of all of Antonio Conte's signings. I think the the 16 that he made, and I, I totally forgot. Um, well, that um the fact that he's, he's on quite a, a good contract, isn't he? He's on on a hundred thousand euros a week um which is quite astonishing you know in terms of yeah um that's probably another thing the reason i've brought that up is because it may not just be a case of um shipping off you know a, a player i don't think that that's the real issue i think it's some of these wages as well um which is probably one of the massive factors as well um that the wage bill is probably just as high as the you know um needing to to cut that down as as much as the transfer fees as well but um moving forward obviously winning the the league and then looking forward to next season um you know what, what are the chances of of Inter Milan retaining the, the the league title going further in Champions League or in the Coppa Italia as well I know that's a a trophy that's um got some history behind it in terms of Inter Milan as well
1: Yeah, it's going to get tougher on all fronts because not only I think Inter will take at least a small step back, if not a medium sized step back, Uh, I I don't think it's going to be as much of a step back as some people think, but they're certainly not going to be, uh, they're not going to be as gifted a squad as they were this past season, nor will they have as gifted a coach as they had this past season. That's not only an issue, but there's also the issue of uh, um, Juventus are going to be, I think, back next season. Um, You know, it next year may not be the strongest Juventus we've ever seen because uh, they, they have their own financial troubles and, and we'll see what ends up happening with Cristiano Ronaldo. Cause I don't think they would mind unloading his wages cause they could <laughs> reinvest a lot back on squad. But with Max Allegri coming back to Juve, I mean, when he was, uh, when he was there uh, for, what was it? Five uh, straight uh, titles, four or five. I think, yeah, I think it was five straight titles. He wanted Juventus. That just, it, it fit like a glove. I mean, his, his tactics, his mentality, I thought were perfect. And I I even thought at the time two seasons ago, when they let him walk and they they brought in Saderi and then they, you know, they brought in Pirlo, which was really, I think, a cost-cutting measure more than anything else. Um, I, I thought it was a huge mistake. I mean, they they essentially parted ways with Allegri the first time around because they thought this guy can't take us far enough in Europe, even though he did get to two Champions League finals. I think they still thought you know, we need more of an attacking minded coach. And I think after two seasons, they've learned. No, we had a guy who fit perfectly. He's one of the better tacticians in the world. So I, I thought that that was massive for Juve to bring Allegri back. And so I, I'm expecting them to get much better because Pirlo held them back a lot this past season. There's no question about that. Um, AC Milan have a, a pretty ambitious project. It was big for them to get into Champions League. I think that they're I wouldn't consider them a favorite for the title, but I think that there's certainly going to be a team that uh, I would say you can pencil them in probably for top four again, next season, maybe compete for it. And another team that I look at as being a dark horse is Napoli. I mean, Napoli, they ultimately, uh, they they choked the final match day because they just needed to beat Verona to get in the champions league. They missed out on that. They're in Europa league as a result, but um their squad was decimated by injuries and covid throughout the year they had it worse uh with a combination of those two things i think than any of the other major compet- competitors in serie a uh you know a guy like victor Olsiman, who didn't spend nearly enough time healthy on the pitch and when he was he was really making plays and scoring goals for fun uh and they they i think they've made at least a slight upgrade at manager bringing in luciano spalletti um you know parting ways with um with, uh, well, I, I can't remember, but Luluciano Spalletti coming in there now, who uh, I think can really solidify uh, top four for them and compete even for a title. So I look at Juventus are going to be better, Napoli are going to be better, and Atalanta, I don't think are going anywhere, right? Because Atalanta, you know, they're, they're not always the most consistent squad, but they really are like a well oiled attacking machine. So I think Inter will be in the mix um, because I think uh, I think Inzaghi is going to end up having a pretty good squad to work with. And I think an important thing for Inzaghi is that, uh, you know, he he runs. It's not exactly the same tactic, but he runs the same formation that Conte runs with a 3-5-2. So they have the personnel to run that. I think that's one of the reasons why he's going to fit pretty well.
2: Yeah. And um, I, I wanted to talk quickly about uh, Jose Mourinho. <laughs> that's uh, going, going to
0: literally go to the ass. Um, yeah,
2: sure. sorry. So you no go go ahead. Go ahead, Kerry. I
0: mean, I mean I was I was gonna ask, does that make it open? Because like you see, you got Napoli, you always see them as like the Spurs of, of Italy, like they, they should be doing better, but they can't, or something happened, you know. Like you say, Inter, AC in and around there, Juve, maybe they have to sell some players. The Jose factor, Roma have got a decent squad. Well well sorry, I am stealing your question, Caz, but what what's your what's your what's your thoughts on that, Alec? Is that is Uh, Do they have enough? Is the Jose factor enough? Or are you thinking this is going to be just another situation where you might get them into top four and then leave?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Roma because I I neglected to mention them. Even despite the Jose factor, they're going to have to have a big transfer window, I think, because I I think that they they need a lot of work on the back line. The, The only thing about you have to wonder about the Mourinho factor because... Um, And I think it was a great, actually a really good move by Roma to appoint him, uh, even though, of course, with with Jose, there's always the chance that things just end disastrously. But I think it was uh, it was actually a shrewd move to hire him because all of the issues where Roma suffers are issues that Jose usually fixes pretty quickly when it comes to being a little bit more pragmatic, being a little bit more tough minded defensively, because Roma's issue over uh, Fonseca, who was managing them for the last couple of seasons, was just way too many mistakes, poor defensive shape, shipping in way too many goals. I uh, just, uh, Fonseca, I just don't think really fits Serie A. And I think that Jose probably fits Serie A maybe a little bit better than he fits Premier League at this point. So I think it's a very, very interesting move. And, and you might be right. I, I don't, I really don't see Roma, and it's just because of their squad. I don't see them as being legit contenders for the title but I think they can be contenders for top 4 and and you know I think that that's really the only way especially in in Serie A where you know they they don't have the sort of uh, of of off-field business and television revenues that the Premier League have and even La Liga in Spain I think is getting a lot better than this Serie A is a little bit behind on some of these things that um the only way to really create a strong club it, it's hard to just go from being you know, a Europa League team, or in Roma's case, uh, a Conference League team, to then competing for a title the next year. I think you have to solidify for a couple of years in Champions League, and that may be what he's looking to do.
2: Yeah, and and um, just before we move on from Jose, what was your thoughts? Um, obviously, he was there. Was it two thousand and eight? Was he there?
1: To the yeah, two thousand eight to yeah. two thousand ten through through the treble. Yeah, and I mean, I, we've
2: obviously we've had Jose twice. Um, first time was amazing. Second time it was like going back to your, your ex that you shouldn't have gone back to. And, um, yeah, so, and Kieran, I know you've had your moans and stresses with Jose as well, but, but Alex, what was, as a Inter Milan fan, what was it like having Jose Mourinho for the the two years that you did? It was like lightning in a
1: bottle. It was, it was, (laughs) um, and, and he, I, I thought that, um, his, his mentality um, really made a lot of sense for Inter because the, the the club, the fabric of the club Inter has always been a little bit crazy. And to have someone, some something that Mourinho did so well was uh, because there's always this like complex that, that Inter supporters have that, Italy hates us. The Italian media despise us. The referees despise us. It's always this sort of us against the world mentality, mm-hmm. and that was something that he really fed into. Like he he created this sort of siege mentality where he had the players really believing everybody despises us and it's us against the world, and and that really worked. Like that mentality, I thought it worked for him and it worked for the club. And uh, and he really is uh, an inter legend with what he accomplished there in a short period of time. I like what you said about you know going back to an ex. Because there, there have been there have been sure moments in the last few years when when Inter have been very softly linked to maybe a reunion with Mourinho. And for as much as I appreciated his time with the club, I don't want to have the second go around. Because mm-hmm. if if it doesn't go right the second time, then uh, I, I don't want it to change the way I feel about him. So and and actually, when, when he ended up being appointed by Roma, I, I was actually a little bit relieved by it because. Um, given the affection that I have for him, I would hate to see him turn up somewhere like Juventus or Milan, right? I I don't, I don't want to see him with, you know, someone you really consider to be a rival where Roma it's, you know, you don't, they don't have the bad blood with Inter. So I I can, I can almost root for him a little bit at Roma where I couldn't do that with a lot of other clubs in Italy.
2: Yeah, no. And it's right around the sort of second, second honeymoon period. It just doesn't work. It's, it's, it was great first time round. Um, but then, yeah, he just, just what just literally fell fell apart um, the second time he was at Chelsea. So, um, my other question um, was around the, the Super League um, or the non-existent Super League now, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on on because I think Inter Milan they've, they've obviously we've drew out of it quite early on. Into after all, the Premier League clubs came out. I think Inter Milan weren't far behind as well. So, what were your thoughts initially on on the Super League as well?
1: I'm glad you gave me the opportunity to talk about it because I, I really trolled some people hard on social media, and and sometimes people can't tell when I'm joking and when I'm <laughs> serious. Um, I, I I thought that it, it was so so much of it was done wrong. Um, I, I could I can understand what the these club presidents uh, are trying to accomplish because football has become a bit of a bubble um, with. With the way you know the, the way the spending has escalated so much and and the payrolls, uh, the, the, the salaries have gotten so inflated and, and it's really almost impossible to sort of match the revenue with the salaries and make it a sustainable business model. I, I think that they realize something has got to be reformed in order for us to keep operating this way. And, and, and that's a key there, because obviously, if if every, if every big club in Europe were to agree, you know, let's all scale back and not, you know, run this like an arms race. And then we could all, you know, turn a better profit. That would be one thing, but we know that's never going to happen because everyone's going to try and, you know, spend the most money possible and build the best squad possible. So I, I think that they they saw this super league as kind of a solution to just print money. Like, well, let's just create, let's create a machine where we can print money. And so and I I made a I made a lot of jokes about how how glorious it would be and the necessity of it um and and you know I, I i was I was happy to see it dissolve. I'm a little bit embarrassed by the way that they tried to roll this out because it was so much of a lack of self awareness for any of these clubs to think our fans are going to get on board with this. i mean, it goes it goes against everything that football fans stand for. um so you know, the unfortunate thing and i and I did tell a lot of uh, a lot of interisti about this is. You have to understand that, you know, some of these clubs I think needed the Super League a little bit more than others did. And, you know, for, for everyone who is, you know, protesting and, and wanting to disband the super league, you have to understand that's all fine and good. If we can get them to shut down the super league, and they ultimately did shut it down, at least for the time being. But then don't complain if you need to sell a player you like or if you can't sign you know, if you can't make, you know, a, an 80, 90 million euro signing of a player you want, because you have to understand that if you don't have this Super League, a lot of these teams are going to be having to cut back. Right. I, I know uh, Inter obviously have financial issues. Uh, Juventus have some financial challenges. I know that even even Barca and Real Madrid are looking at their budget uh, sheets and saying something needs to uh, something's got to give here. So. I'm happy to see the Super League go. I, I do think that we need, and and I, I wish I had a better understanding of all these financials because at the end of the day, I'm just a fan. But I, I do think that we need to have some UEFA reform as well because I, I think that that they're probably pocketing way too much money and they're not being transparent enough. So there there has to be some way that these clubs can get a bigger piece of the pie.
2: Yeah. My my last question, um, before we we slowly wrap up, um the badge the crest has recently changed for inter milan and i just wanted to get your i wanted to get your views because I, the, the crest has always kind of had that same resemblance of from you know early 90s 60s 1960 and beyond um i'll be honest i don't like the new one uh, but i just wanted to get your views and, and are you happy with it do you like it do you think it should have just stayed how it was
1: Yeah, I think I think it should have stayed how it was. I I don't know. I don't really understand why we have to change these things, because it's not as if it's not as if a crest itself is making new revenue for a club unless they just think, oh, we can sell all of these new, you know, because people are buying the game day shirts anyway. But maybe Mm -hmm. they're thinking, oh, we can sell all this merchandise with the new crest. I I know that they they, they wanted to streamline it. I thought they wanted to modernize it a little bit. It, It actually reminds me a lot of what Juventus did a few years ago because they had a classic crest and then they turned it into that J that everyone made fun of for a couple of years. And then people kind of forgot about it. So I I think at the end of the day, the same thing will happen with Inter. I think this is something, the new crest, uh, you know, people are going to poke fun at it for a year or two, and then they'll kind of just forget and move on. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not really a huge um, I complain about many, many things. I'm not really a huge complainer when it comes to things like, like crests and shirts, uh, you know, it's it's not the most important thing to me. Uh, I, I do think that uh, it, it's already growing on me a little bit. But w- would I have preferred if they stayed with the classic look forever? Absolutely.
2: Yeah, no, it's all, almost part of the heritage of the club. Yeah, some aspects isn't it? it, it? Is. So, um, it is. but I get why they do it. It's it's obviously marketing reasons and you know branding etc. But um, my final thoughts next season. What? what What can Inter Milan achieve? What can they win? Where will they finish? Predictions?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I top four is a must. Um, I, 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 and I, I would like to think, and we're going to know a lot more once the transfer window really heats up. If they still have ambitions of winning the Serie A, um, I'd like to think that they do. If Hakimi is the only big sale, I will say, yeah, they have ambitions to try and win two straight Scudetti. If there are more big sales, then you have to wonder, okay, are they, are they setting their ambitions back? But no matter what, top four is a must. You have to stay in Champions League. And honestly, I think in Champions League itself, even if the squad takes a little bit of a step back, I you have to get out of the, the group stages, right? I mean, it, I, I think knockout stages are a must. They're going to be in pot one this season. We'll see if they get a favorable draw or not. But they're going to be a pot one team after winning Serie A. So uh, you know, d- despite the fact that Conte is no longer there, although Conte in Europe, maybe that, that might even help the squad a little bit. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, d- despite the fact that it's not Conte and you may lose a couple of important players, uh, I-, I think round of 16 at the very minimum in Champions League and I top four at the very minimum in Serie A, anything less than that is a failure.
2: Yeah, I'd agree. And, and, and Kieran, what, do you agree or, or do you think they should be, uni- Inter Milan should be doing more?
0: No, no, I, I, I agree with that. I think it was a it was a disappointing performance in the Champions League this year, you would have expected. I think particularly getting to the Europa League final last year, missing out at that stage, you thought, okay, you know, push on. Um, sort of disappointing. But I think that we're both into and AC Milan. I think both are getting a bit more used to European football again because they're not the, you know, T-Dot, you talked a little earlier about the guys used to watch, you know, the Ronaldo's and Salas, Jorkaic, and Zanetti. You know, a, bit, a bit later on, you know, Adriano. and Yeah, Zanetti, and it, it's obviously been a bit of a gap, but you'd, you'd think now having a few seasons in Europe, they'll be used to the, you know, the the, the sort of Saturday, Wednesday, or or uh, Sunday, you know, Wednesday, whatever it is. So I think I'd be expecting the last 16. And you never know, you know, with the, with the Champions League, you get, you know, a decent group, Chelsea, Chelsea, like I, I think, like I already told you, because Chelsea have a very good team. Like they should be getting to them stage. Oh, yeah, but yeah. into Milan, you look at the, the players they've got. A lot of them guys are probably be at the Euros this year and have a big platform, more experience. Um, you know, Real Madrid is struggling, Barcelona are struggling. Okay, you've got PSG and Man City, but I mean, who, who else is there really? Like you, you know, so I agree. Top four last stages of the Champions League, um, I think would be would be good. Hopefully, a couple of guys come through. You know, so it's always nice to see a young a young guy step up. So, but I'll be will be watching with interest anyway because it it feels like this Syria uh, is is going to be a little bit more open than it has been sort of prior to to, to the you know the last um, few years.
2: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Um, you never know; we could get each other at some point in the uh, the Champions League, but who, who knows? Um, but Alex, been brilliant to have you on. Um, really appreciate you taking the time out and giving us your views um, on Inter Milan and, and Serie A as well. Um, so it's
1: just been, I don't know if you want to give your your plugs and, and give us your, your Twitter handles. Oh, I'd love to. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, uh, please follow me on Twitter. It's at Alex Dono, Dono spelled D-O-N-N-O. And please uh, check out uh, Calcio Connection podcast where we talk city uh, on a regular basis. We'll be talking a lot about the Euros coming up. Uh, my co host Jerry Mancini and I, we put out at least one episode per week. Sometimes we put out two episodes per week. And, uh, and also any anyone interested in in American sports, and we also mix in some football talk as well. I do a, a daily show in Miami, Florida on Onside Radio.com. It's from uh, three until six PM Eastern. So, uh, eight until, uh, 11 at night uh, for those listening in the UK. So, if you're ever interested in hearing a little bit about American football, the NBA, and we do talk plenty of football as well, uh, I do a daily show, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern time on OnsideRadio.com.
2: Yeah, I'll be sure to check that out because I, I love NBA. So, um, oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll definitely be checking that out as well. So, um, but it's been a pleasure to have you on um, as always. And I know, Kieran, you you, you like to do your wrap up, so I'll let you do the, the usual plug.
0: No, um, but yeah, obviously, um, you Know, all, always delighted to have guests on talking about sort of you know, different things, different teams, um, different leagues. So, um, you know, as a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the PTTW podcast. Um, we put content on YouTube as well. And yeah, get in touch, let us know your thoughts, um, come and talk to us about Inter, Syria we're going to be covering the euros as well um so do, do let us know your thoughts you know is is this finally england's year is football coming home but is it going to italy let you know come and let us know um and and yeah obviously thank you for listening